I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Ashley Karen. Ashley is a 36-year-old burly human, athlete, and badass mom. I met Ashley through her spouse, Michael, a previous interviewee on the podcast who is equally motivated and inspirational. During this conversation, we discuss the challenges of motherhood at 26 versus 36, the early death of her uncle, and why she wants desserts on her deathbed. Before we talk more about Ashley and this really great motivating conversation that we have together, I want to talk about my long-form Sunday's posts. These are my weekly reflections on medical school from the very first anatomy lab to now uh, waiting for interviews to roll through uh, for residency uh, during my fourth year. And on September 30th, I published On the Tumble of Life, or Child and Adolescent Psych, a postmortem. This week, I reflected on the wacky, wacky tumble of this past month, sending out residency applications and waiting for interviews, my time on the Adolescent Psych Unit, and checking in with old friends via the podcast. And then more recently, on October 7th, 2018, I published On Demanding Conversations, or the Beginning of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. This week, I reflected, on a fam- I reflected on a family meeting with the Palliative Consult Service. I intervened during a crucial moment to bring about tears and change, a risky move. And so you can find all of these uh, reflections as well as all of the interviews for this podcast at eugenehkim or mnmwod.com. That is mnmwod.com, Mobility and Mindfulness Work of the Day. And you can find all of these reflections from the first, second, and third years collected into Kindle and paperback collections. You can find that on Amazon if you oh, that was Honey rumbling in. She's very loud. She's very love, love-seeking. You can find all those uh, if you search on Amazon for physician education. It will be the first things that pop up. Um, so back to Ashley. Ashley is a badass mom, funny to a fault, very efficient, a hot mess express, very passionate, loving, and generous. Before Ashley dies, she wants her kids to feel completely empowered in life, to go to Switzerland, to get burly, and to have one whole vacation with her and her husband. When Ashley dies, she wants a peaceful environment and a lot of desserts. After Ashley dies, she wants to be able to look down and look at this earth and be like, y'all are doing great, everybody's getting along, nobody's picking fights, nobody's trolling anybody, and everybody's getting burly. People to be thankful they knew her, people to be happy they know about Get Burly, and wants them to have that fire, that long-lasting fire in them. In conclusion, Ashley says, if you're listening to this and you're a new mom, you're a veteran mom, or you're a woman, and you have any inkling or any desire to do something completely out of your comfort zone, you have no experience, you don't even know where to start, but you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about it, do it. Because if you will spend the rest of your life thinking about it until one day you spend the rest of your life regretting that you didn't do it. It's now or never. Put in the work. Put in the freaking work. If you have a why, a strong enough why, if your why is so purposeful, the how is so easy. I agree, Ashley. Start writing the book, start doing the thing. So this was a really great conversation. I really, I, I hadn't really known Ashley very much except through her posts on social media. And she's, you know, she's a very vibrant, um, honest, vulnerable human, but also very, very funny and uh, not one to hesitate poking fun at herself. Um, and so I 
you know, after interviewing Michael, which I'll, I'll link to in the show notes, um, his interview was great. And this interview with Ashley was also really great for a different reason. You know, when I interviewed Michael, it was, uh, I think, two, three months after Stadler, the youngest, had been born. And uh, now during this interview, Stadler is about nine months, something like that. And uh, still causing a lot of ruckus. You'll be able to hear him in the interview at some certain points kind of crying in the background, being, you know, a baby. And, um, it, you know, her perspective on, on motherhood, because she had May, her first child, at 26. And then uh, she had Stadler, I think, at 35. And uh, just the difference in, in her life stages, but the similarities in how the, the, child, the children grew up being very difficult and uh, not giving her a lot of sleep. Um, I think that's a, just a very interesting perspective. And then how she has become this athlete over time, running an Ironman or completing an Ironman and uh, now postpartum uh, preparing for an Ironman, I believe she said January. So that would make it almost like a little over a year after the birth um, of Stadler or somewhere around there. So like, it's pretty impressive, you know, and she's, she's putting in the miles, she's doing all the swimming right now, so it's, I mean, she's doing base training uh, for uh, the future of an Ironman in, in early 2019. And, uh, you know, all, when I listened to this to make some show notes, I was reflecting on some stuff, and I was wishing, you know, I, at certain points, I push her on some questions. You know, I asked her, like, would you, like, can you imagine a circumstance when you would be comfortable um dying and leaving your children um at what point would you like you know what what circumstances what level of development are would you feel like you need to to leave them with and i kind of was always thinking of stadler because he was young and he's you know he was on the mind but i didn't uh, i didn't talk about may very much and um you know she's a 10 year old now and so when you talk about the development of a child, you know, or, or of a young adult. Um, if you're talking about like a 15 year old, if you're talking about a, a 20 year old, that's only for, for Stadler, that's decades away. That's like the 2030s. That's like 2040s. But for May, that is early 2020s. Um, and I wish that I had dug into that. And I, part of me hopes that I, I didn't think of that because I just wasn't, you know, I was full of food or whatever. Um, but also I wonder if it was part of it was an inherent gender bias uh, within myself. So it's just something to think about. I wish they asked her a little bit more about that because I think that would have made the conversation more concrete. I think that we would have been able to dive into some more specifics because, uh, you know, Stadler's a baby. He's not really, he's barely sleeping through a couple hours at a time. But May, she's, she's, she was in the background during the interview. She had a friend come over. And uh, like, how close does uh, Ashley believe that May is to that point where she can be, you know, it would be a tragic, traumatic event to lose a parent, but um, is she strong enough? Is she developed enough? And is she an, uh, uh, an empowered human enough to kind of go out on her own as an orphan? And um, I think that's a very tough question. I don't know if there's a correct answer. And I don't even know if Ashley could have composed an answer to that tough question, but I think that posing it would have been uh, very interesting. And that's, uh, you know, with re-interviewing folks down the line, I think that, I you know, I miss this question now, but, you know, I'd love to check in with Ashley in the future and see as Stadler's hopefully sleeping through the night, Ashley's getting some more sleep herself and completing crushing Ironmans here and there. I think that'll be an appropriate time to kind of circle back and ask some more questions that I wish I had asked. And so I hope that you don't mind me waxing philosophic on the what it should have could have of the interview. And I hope that you're ready to hear this really lovely conversation with Ashley Karen on death.
It is October 4th, 2018. I'm sitting in here in my Coopersburg home, and Ashley Karen is sitting in her Georgetown, Massachusetts home, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Ashley, what are the four prompts? The four prompts are, I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and lastly, after I die, I want. Great. And so how do you finish that first prompt, I am? I am a badass mom. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely love my family very hard, but I'm also very raw and outspoken and a lot of times unfiltered, which I'm working on. I've learned that it can be good and it can be bad. So I'm trying to find a happy medium there, but I will always fight for my kids and my family. So um, what, what does it mean to be a badass mom versus just to be a mom? (laughs) It means when you are, when you wake up in the morning and you think you've got everything ready, breakfast is made, vitamins are laid out, the clothes have been set out the night before, but the kids wake up late, one's already spit up all over himself and you're already in the second outfit. You have to get into the car. It's raining outside. The baby's crying. You get in the car to take him to school, but you're out of gas. Badass is when you're like, you know what? I got this. We're good. We're going to be all right. You're going to have a great day. I'm going to change your diaper. We're going to go back in. We're going to start over. I feel like that's more badass than actually going out and doing burpees, which is still badass. Don't get me wrong, but (laughs) keeping the calm composure when it's a circus and it's every day, mostly it's always a circus. (laughs) Gotcha. And so you are, um, you're a mom to almost like two, two gen- different generations of kids, right? Cause uh, you got, you got Sadler, the nine month old and uh, maybe 10 ish, right? Yep. She just turns 10, 10 years old. And so those, that's a pretty decent gap in there that, you know, it's wildly different stages of their development. Mm-hmm. And um, like, how, what is that like ha- kind of having the two different uh, ends of, uh, of, of uh, the adolescence? I have a lot of friends who have kids that are very close in age and they've talked about how the wonders of them growing up together and playing and entertaining each other. But I've also seen the ends where they're just fighting constantly. Parents are just <laughs> trying to break them up and stuff like that. So with the way I have it with me and Skyler, I worried they weren't going to be able to connect specifically May to Sadler because Sadler's, you know, too young to even realize. But May, I was just like, she's not going to be into the baby thing. And she doesn't, she's not a very girly girl, so she's never liked baby dolls and stuff like that. And I have been completely wrong. She's been the most hands-on big sister ever, and he lights up when he sees her. Uh, I, there's just a spark in the air as soon as she's up and he's up in the morning, and they just look at each other, and they smile, and she says, hi, Bubba. And she's a big help. She's a real big help. There's been plenty of I'm like, nay. Can you just make your brother smile? I have got to go to the bathroom. Please just don't let him cry. She'll be in there and advise me five minutes, you know, and I I hate to say it, but I I use her as a babysitter quite a bit for a little bit, like five minutes here, three minutes there, but she's so good. She doesn't even feel like it's a chore. She loves it. Mm. And um, did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood? Mm, A mixture of both. We were Northeast Baptists and definitely grew up in a great church and a great community. But we also, you know, were involved in so many other things that we couldn't go to church every single Sunday that I was at a basketball tournament. And so, you know, we we went when we could and we also had our lives kind of spread where we also did the other things to kind of uh, 
give us a little diversity as well. So being on a traveling basketball team with the people of different religious and spiritual backgrounds and then still going to church and everything. So you turned out to just believe that there's a higher being and he's good and he's great and whatever everybody else believes in, that's fine. But this is my religion. This is my spirituality. And so that's what I was raised up on. And we went to church, but we also did other things on Sundays too. <laughs> mm. And so that was you growing up in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Um, what about um, now? What is your relationship with uh, the Christian faith and how uh, how are you interpreting that or creating an environment for Stadler and May? Such an awesome question because that's one thing that I'm, I'm wanting to really I guess they dive in more, especially with them being so young, but um, we do pray. We do talk about God. We do talk about Jesus. We believe we put a lot of faith and um, a lot of love into our relationship. And um, we talked to May about it and what it means to be saved. And does she have any questions? And she actually has some really good friends that are her age that um, are of the same faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, you know, Sadler being so young, we always talked about, do we want to get him baptized right now? Or do we want him to make the decision as he gets older? So my husband coming from a Catholic background is a little bit different than Northeast Baptists and stuff. So we're just trying to find that common ground and that, I guess, blends of it all. And as of right now, you know, we don't feel any pressure into it because we know that it's an open door and that we have an open dialogue with our kids and what they're comfortable with and if they have any questions and stuff. And it's, it is fun listening to May talk about God and Jesus. And I remember when she was little, I would reach her before bed and she would always just say, now, can we pray? Can we please pray? She would just be like comfort her, you know? And, yeah. and that's what I get. And it's funny because I'm an adult and it comforts me too. It's like a comforting thing to pray and have that again, that higher being to lean on. And so um, we talked a little bit about how that age difference, um, but like, what was it like to be the badass mom at 26 versus now at 36? I feel like I'm more badass now than when I was 26. When 26, I just, honestly, I didn't even think I was going to be a mother until, I wouldn't even think about being a mother until I was like, I'm past my 30s. So when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, all right, let's do this, game on. But I wasn't doing anything athletically. I was just kind of just taking care of myself as far as just working out at the gym, but I didn't have any like, goals. I wasn't doing any races or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I had May and it opened my eyes. I'm like, there will never be a harder job in the world than a mother. Like it was so hard. It was just, it was just like you went from being, having all this freedom and free time and you just worried about yourself to now nothing else matters. Everything else is a distraction. I have to take care of this human being. And you know, whenever it's not planned, it's a big surprise and big life adjustment <laughs> in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So it made me a badass because I had to grow up and change things quick. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but now, now that I have two kids, again, there's absolutely no room for distractions. I have to take care of my kids every day, put them first every day, but I'm still giving myself some time. And what I mean by that is a lot of moms, become sacrificial lambs when they have children and they don't mean to. It's a lot of societal pressure that you're a mom. Don't go out. Don't get your nails done. Don't, you do not come first. And that's not all the time true or correct. And actually it's extremely unhealthy. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of women go through um, depression 
new mom. It's mm-hmm. tough. You all of a sudden you went from being able to go out and to the bar and have drinks with your girlfriends, listen to live music, go to concerts, go to the mall, to now you need to breastfeed every single 30 minutes. You don't get a shower. If you do, it's gonna be halfway. You're not even gonna finish that conditioner treatment out of your hair. Get out of the get out of the shower, girl. You gotta go feed that baby. You can't go out. None of your clothes fit, but you need to work out and you need to be skinny, but you just had a baby. I mean, there's so much pressure. Mm-hmm. So um what I did was I finally just said, I, 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 it's not bad for me to work out. It's not bad for me to have 30 minutes, an hour a day. And I recently just got a membership at the YMCA. And, um, four months ago, I was having big guilt about taking Styler to the daycare. Now I just take him and I just, it's, it's like a pressure off my shoulders. And I'm like, I don't need to feel bad about my kid being in daycare because I get 30 minutes, an hour to myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that term, like that sacrificial lamb, the 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 term that I've heard is intensive mothering. Yeah. It's uh it's yeah, it's uh it can that guilt is I see it a lot uh in, in a lot of my rotations, just like these women are they are working so hard, but at the same time it's like that's like in the long run, like in the short term that'll that works, but in the long run that's so that's a you know, and like it's it can be counterproductive. Yeah, because you see the the women out at the grocery store, at the library, at a school function, and you see them with their baby and they they're trying to be put together, they're trying to look like they're happy, but at, what people don't realize is behind closed doors at night, they're not sleeping, they barely got a shower. They might not they probably haven't sat down and had a hot meal in a good 3 weeks, you know, mm-hmm. and but they are forced to go outside and be like, "I'm together." you know, cheese and sprinkles, let's do this. And it's all the time that, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got to set aside time, whether it's meditating, writing, get on your phone and scroll through Facebook, Instagram, whatever that time is, make it for yourself. You know, there's been Mm -hmm. times Mikey's come home. I'm like, instantly give him the baby. I said, take me. I'm going to go sit in the corner and I'm just going to look at my phone. So nobody bother me. Nobody bother me. (laughs) (laughs) And he'll do it though. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so so we talked a lot about you as a badass mom. Um, and I'm sure we're, we'll revisit it in different ways and different angles uh, later throughout this conversation. Um, what else is on that list of I am? I am funny. To a fault. <laughs> I, I have humor in a lot of things, but sometimes it can be very annoying. Like take something seriously, Ashley. I am very efficient like I try to get as much stuff as I can done in one day and again that could be also to a fault I like that I like feeling productive at the end of the day I'm like gosh I did a lot today it makes me feel successful (laughs) um I am a hot mess express I'm always hot like having this hoodie on right now I'm like I'm sweating I'm just so hot it'll be 20 degrees outside and I'm just like I'll be fine in a t-shirt and shorts always hot I am very passionate, loving, genuine. And also, I think I'm a ginger, but I don't know because my roots are growing out, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, gotcha. So there's a a lot of, like, good character descriptions in there. Um, Is there... I guess I think it's interesting that you haven't mentioned directly athlete or your athletic background. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, that's one of the things that I'm mentally trying to get better at 
with my mental health and my mental strength is being saying I'm an athlete. The reason why I guess I didn't identify with the beginning is because I feel like I'm still in, in work and process to get where I was, but that's not fair and that's not healthy. I, I am an athlete, you know, and actually everybody's an athlete. If you get up, you walk and you're sweating, you're an athlete. <laughs> so I, you, you're right. I should have said that. And I just, I guess I haven't gotten to that situation or that, that moment yet where I am at my confident self and I'm working towards it. Just like every, like we said earlier, everybody needs to work on something or lots of something. That's <laughs> one of my lots of something. <laughs> gotcha. And so what is your athletic background and uh, what brought you to Ironman? I am, I've always started out in sports. I remember playing soccer when I was little, loving it. Um, dabbled a little in softball. It was horrible. So horrible. I didn't want to play softball but I was in it in the season. And my mom said, you know, you don't quit on your team. You finish this season and you don't have to play again. But I was so bad. I would hide my uniform so I wouldn't have to play. <laughs> it was so mm. terrible. Um, and then I got into basketball, which I absolutely love. Track. And I could just, I, I remember track season after the track meets coming home and I would still just go outside and just run with my dog in the pasture. I just loved to run. It was like this freeing feeling. I just, I'll never forget that feeling of just running. Just, and I was never tired. And I had been at a track meet all day and I had done four events. And mm. I, I, would, I would be shocked if I came home and didn't have four medals, um, four gold medals in all four of my events in middle school. It was just, it was heartbreaking if that happened. And I just would run and I loved it. And then I got into... Um, competitive basketball on a traveling team and um, dabbled a little bit in college. And then in college, you know, I kind of realized I'm not going to go pro. <laughs> I'm not going to be making any big time money. I need to figure out a career. And I knew I wanted to do something medically speaking. And mm -hmm. my mom was a dental assistant and I was able to go work at her dental office quite a bit. And I was like, I want to be a dental hygienist. So went to dental hygiene school, got my degree and, uh, worked and I just you know I had May and I just kind of got to the point where I was like okay everything kind of evened out like you know I have this life I'm a mom and I work I'm a mom and I work I'm like it's got to be something else you know I I, I got to be able to do something else and I remember my mom I was actually at home and I was really sick and she called me and she said what are you doing in April and I was just like I don't know that's weird because I signed you up for a half marathon I said a what I've never <laughs> ran a half marathon and I was like, okay, that's fine. And that day I was just like, why don't I do a full marathon? And then I did a full marathon and I was like, well, why don't I just do a triathlon? So I did a sprint triathlon. I'm like, well, then, you know, why don't I do an Ironman? And then I did an Ironman. And then I was just like, this is fun. This is mm -hmm. so fun. So I've been hooked ever since. How many uh, full irons have you done? Just one. I did it in Boulder, Colorado in 2016. Oh, at in elevation too right yes so training for that in oklahoma was tricky <laughs> <laughs> gotcha and what is it i guess it seems like you've fallen in love with um i mean maybe the specific running cycling or swimming but it seems like it's something about the distance that you that that kind of draws you in or is, am i uh, misreading that no it's 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 like well, one, it is all three of them because you can't can't get bored. You're never bored. You're like, okay, you. I mean, with marathon training, it's running, running, running. Now with Ironman training, you, you every day it's a new day thing. It's fun, mm -hmm. but it is the distance. It's so crazy. It's I trying to explain it to somebody. It's like whenever you're 
even this in relatable in life when you're just beat down you feel like you're in this deep dark spot and you're just like I can't do anymore I can't give anymore everything's going wrong but you keep going you keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep going and somehow you do it you find this and then you're like how the hell did I live through that how did I how did I fight through that deep dark time in my heart and in my mind and here I am a year later and look at me you know it's mm-hmm. just like that with the Iron Man or any long distance you're just like on mile 70 on the bike and you're like I am how am I going to do this? I got to <laughs> climb another mountain. And then after I get off this bike, I got to run 26.2 miles. I, 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 how am I supposed to do this? But you're like, just do it. Just give yourself these micro goals, you know, pedal 10 more strokes, then another 10 more strokes. And then by then you're on 112, your mile, you're off your bike and you're running. And then when you're running, you're like, now I got 26 miles to run. But <laughs> it's just, you keep every step you take forward, you keep putting that darkness way behind you and you're just running towards something bigger and better. And you're like, you finish. And again, you're just like, how the hell did I do that? I did that. I'm a badass, you know? Mm-hmm. And on race day, you meet just like regular life. You meet incredible people from all walks of life, people who beat cancer, people who are single parents, people who have never done anything athletic in their life. Um, I think there's a man right now training and he literally has one lung, you know, he's, I think he's going to break a record where first man with only one functioning lung is going to do an Ironman. So I mean, he's just insane, but he can do it and he's done it. Mm. And um, I think you mentioned something very interesting because I find that like with people that like to do distance uh, to the love distance events, there's a uh, they they fall into one of two categories. They they seem like the type that are running from something or they're running to something. And I'm yeah. wondering, kind of, would you fall into one of those categories? Oh, I'm definitely running for something, to something. I guess you should say definitely okay. to because I I have a great life. Even my what everything in the from aspect, even the bad times, I welcome it because look where I am today. It's awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, everything that I'm working for is for the future. I'm definitely running to it. If, if, and when I do another Ironman, it'll be just as joyous and awesome as the last finish line. It's always something new out there. I, you just, I just have a refuse to focus on the past. It's, it's not there. Nothing's there for me. Everything's in front of me. Good. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I think that's a good, good transition point, really talking about the future and what's ahead. Um, how do you finish the next prompt before I die? I want. Before I die, I want my kids to feel completely empowered in life. I, I just want them to know that they can do anything, be anything, have anything. Just before I die, I want to know that from them. I want to feel that from them. And so what will that feel like? How will you know it? Uh, I will see them... Oh, you know, you just like you see somebody walk in a room and their smiles, you're like, that person's full of good. I like that person. That person's <laughs> got something good. The aura around them, they're walking in, their smiles, they're, you know, they're, they have nothing to hide. They're proud. They have integrity. And the same with your kids. Just like when you look at your kid, they don't even have to tell you anything. They look sick. Their eyes are glassed over. They're kind of just not themselves. You're like, you're sick. I can tell you're sick. I just know it. I know when I look at them that you're proud. You you can do anything. You know, they're going to walk in and they're going to just be proud. Mm. And so in them, is that empowerment? Is that something that you're just going to like, I guess, so if you want that from them before you die, um, 
is it is it like uh like a couple times is that good enough is it like they're constantly giving off that aura like how how will how will you have when will you have been able to like check that box um i will be able to check that box i mean it's gonna be a daily thing and it's something that they have to see from my husband and i and that's another reason why i do what i do i you know i want to be able to help run this uh, family business with Get Burly and our home life, and I want to be able to do an Ironman, <laughs> and I want to, so because I want them to be like my mom did it. Why can't I do something, you know, and be something? So whenever I see them and talk to them, and feel them <laughs> and, um, and you know, it's one of those things, especially right now with May. You know, she's ten and she's a woman into 2018. You know, mm-hmm. a little young lady growing into a woman. Every day, I just, I always tell her, I'm like, you, you know, I don't, I try not to compliment her on how pretty she is. I, I don't try to start off with like, you're so pretty, you're so cute. I'm like, man, you're so smart. You're really funny. You're very creative and, and, and you're just a good person, you know, and then I'll follow it up with, you look really good. You look really nice. I just feel like confidence builder. And I want her to know everything inside is what is going to give her the opportunity on the outside. And then if she looks cute, that's awesome. Bonus points. <laughs> Gotcha. Um, and what else is uh, what else is on that list of before you die? Um, before I die. Oh man. Before I die, I want to. How about I go to Switzerland? I definitely want to go to Switzerland. Is it the mountains? What What about Switzerland? Yeah, I want to do the mountains, but I know what I'm gonna do when I get there. I'm gonna want to run them or race them or do something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're beautiful to look at, and most people, you know, I'm like, I would like to sit out and have a nice cup of coffee, looking out over the mountains. But as soon as I'm done with that coffee, I'll be like, all right, let's lace up our shoes. We need to go run. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to do that, and um, I, I want to. Have you done much international travel? I have not. Nope, I have not. Have you ever left the States? Um, yeah, I have. I've gone to Belize before and then, you know, uh, Mexico. And I think that's it. Yeah. So oh. not, not a lot. Dabbled a little. Yeah, you stayed on this kind of, this, this yeah. like American yeah. continent. Uh, yes. North and South. Okay. Um, is it, uh, I guess, what about, like, is, is it sort of like Switzerland just kind of popped into your head first? Is there really, like, is there a strong connection that you have to that place? I, not at all. It's just, it's always just been, like, something, and it's like, I just always wanted to go there, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, I've always been the type of person, and this is where Mikey and I compliment each other. If you ask my husband, Michael, where do you want to go? Anywhere in the world. He would get a map out. He would get on Wikipedia. He would write down like temperatures for the times of the years, flight costs. I mean, he would just, he's very analytical, analyzing, extremely smart. Mm-hmm. Me on the other hand, if you're like, where do you want to go? At Switzerland, quick, send five, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, so we kind of meet in the middle, you know, he'll have all this information and I'll be, I'll have the passion and we put it together and be like, I just want to do that one, that one right there. <laughs> and I've always been like that with Switzerland. I, you know, somebody can bring up all these statistics about how, awesome Hawaii is and this time of year and I'm like I still want to go to Switzerland (laughs) (laughs) all right and um you you kind of touched on this briefly I think um in terms of like I see 
um, a lot of the responses to this specific prompt of before I die, I want, I, I see it following into like two broad categories, uh, a legacy of blood and a legacy of, of sweat. And yeah. um, I think we covered a little bit of the legacy of blood through, through wanting to see that empowerment in your, in your children. And I think that you touched on it briefly in talking about the work that you're doing with Get Burley. And I wanted to know if you would uh, be willing to explain a little bit what's going on there. With Get Burley? Yeah. I'd love to. Absolutely. Yes. So with uh, Get Burley, uh, my husband is a phenomenal, motivating, inspiring, heartfelt man. And before I knew Michael romantically, even personally, I was just like, this guy's, this guy's on fire. This guy has something to give to the world. And I was just moved by it. I was just like, this is awesome. I want to get burly, you know? <laughs> and then it just so happened we got married and had a baby. <laughs> and so now, you know, I hung up my dental tools now that I'm taking care of Sadler at home, but I'm also doing the get burly. As far as me doing the home front of get burly, um, I do try to um, social network with a lot of our positivity, inspiration, daily things and mottos and stuff that I put out there on our Instagram and Facebook. And I do the insurance and all the actually started doing the web designing and engineering and stuff, which mm. has been fun and also a headache because it's self-taught. <laughs> <laughs> and But we have started to really open up and expand with one day retreats, overnight retreats. We also just do working out one hour sessions with people, but we also do motivational and speaking engagements for people in groups. And for me, he's so smart, the things he says, and he doesn't even mean it. Like he'll just be at home and we'll just be in bed talking. And the things he says at the end of a day just hit me, you know, I'll talk to him about today and how hard it was. And Stadler was so hard. I couldn't get anything done. It was such a task. I didn't even brush my teeth till noon. I did totally forgot because I was taking care of him all day. And he'll say, control the controllables. Just control it. Just, you know, take all that stress off. Just control what you can control. I can't control what a nine month old does, but I can control how I react to a nine month old. I can't let that nine month old tell me <laughs> I can't brush my teeth at noon. <laughs> I should brush my teeth in the morning. But, you know, the things he says, you know, like, if I had a bad day, like the other day, I had a bad day swimming. I, I just couldn't shake it. He was like, fall forward fast. You, 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 you fell. You didn't do it. We'll get it back up again. Make it fast. Get up. Tomorrow's a new day. And he's right. You just, you can't just go out throughout life talking about all the stuff that goes wrong because I haven't been lately. I've been, I don't sleep. I, I couldn't even get outside to go for a run because Tyler wouldn't let me. And it was just, you know, but it, that's not what it's about. I can't just keep focusing on what didn't happen. You know, what happened is Styler had a great lunch and then May came home. We had great homework and then you're here. I mean, there's so much stuff that's good. And that's what Get Burly is. It's not just him. It's not just me. It's a network of people. And that's why we're trying to, whenever we're on our social media network, we're trying to say, hey, give us a like, give us a follow. It's not really even for population of it. It's because we really just want to inspire and help everybody be the best version of themselves. And a lot of the times the posts that I make, I'm, I'm writing the post. I'm like, gosh, I needed this. I needed this. this is right. I need this, you know? And it's, it's something I'm proud of. I'm 100% proud of. And I love it. 
And so I can tell how much it fires you up. And I wonder, um, so like when you talk, when, when like within the prompt of before I die, it's usually, you know, generally speaking, probably in the future, right? You're probably not going to die right now during this interview. You're going to like, so what I'm wondering is, is like, what do you see? Um, how do you see Get Burley growing within the next 10, 20 years? I, I feel like a lot of it's going to be word of mouth. A lot of people that we're working with are genuine, good people who talk. You know, there's not a lot of people that will get online and say, check this person out, use them right now. But I feel like if they went and had coffee with their friends or they went into another environment where they were with another group and they talked about Get Burley, it changed us. We, mm-hmm. They were had a falling at a fireside chat about our life and how we're we're going to make these non-negotiables with ourselves. We're going to get out there and we're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to start saying yes to life. And you know how you just start a fire and that fire spreads. It's all within their soul. It's all within the Get Burley community. And we're not going anywhere. So people are going to come to Get Burley to us and we're going to spread that fire and they're going to spread that fire. And everybody's going to be lit up with positivity, inspiration, motivation to get shit done. Go for it. Don't look back and be an Ironman in whatever you do, whether it's just, I'm going to be the best darn family person ever. I am going to make home-baked goods every day. That's Burley, baby. (laughs) Be Burley. (laughs) If you want to be a doctor, work 80 hours a week and come home and do podcasts, that's Burley, baby. Do it. You know, everything that you can do. It's not just athletically. It's all about mentally. And again, you know, I know that I'm saying this stuff and I can take my own words of advice. I'm working on it. And just like we expect everybody else, always working on it. That's why we can't go anywhere. In 10 to 20 years, we're going to be blown up more because you're going to need more. We all need more. We all need daily reminders that we're badasses. We're unstoppable mentally, physically. If you can breathe, you can do it. Mm, Good stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so uh so before you die you want to see Maine sadler uh be that em- the empowered versions of themselves yeah um and it sounds like before you die you want to get burly yes <laughs> <laughs> um what else is on that list before i die i want to have one whole vacation with just me and my husband i love my kids i love my kids and mm. i'm gonna miss them but just give me three or four days of vacation with my husband yeah. <laughs> on a it, beach to switzerland maybe yeah well switzerland yeah but then we got to do a beach vacation too you know gotcha. i have a lot of plans for him he doesn't know it because at the end of the day i'm exhausted and i'm usually covered and baby spit up and he might not want a vacation with me then but i have a lot of these future goals <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, why, why, why is that like a, just that? Just, I mean, is that that time to connect, to reconnect, and really be? Yeah, I just like, love him. I just like, I just want to hug him, and I just love his face, and I love, I just his eyes, and I just, I love him. I just physically love him, and it was so funny because I remember my mom and my dad. Gosh, they've been married for thirty-six years. My mom was sixteen, and my dad was eighteen when they got married. They've been married for that long. And I just remember going, oh my God, how can you stay married to somebody so long? You know, I was a kid. I'm like, it's like going out with somebody for 16 years. That's weird, mom. And (laughs) I'm like, that's so weird. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And now I'm 36. I'm like, oh my gosh, I finally have what my parents have. This is awesome. I love it. (laughs) And he works hard and he loves us and he supports us. And he's, like I said, you know, Michael. And if anybody's listening to this and they know get burly, they know Michael. He's just a good, good person. He's full of heart. 
and just goodness. And he has it and he wants to share it with the world. And I'm proud of him. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right. All right. So you want, uh, so, so you want to see Stadler and May empowered. You want to get Burley. You want to go to Switzerland. You want a three, four day beach vacation with Mike. <laughs> yeah. um, is there anything else on that list? Mm, nah. I mean, I'm sure there is, but. <laughs> those, those are some, that's, that's a pretty good, uh, yeah, good right? problem list right that's there. Not bad. Not bad. All right. How do you finish the next prompt? When I die, I want. When I die, I want to sleep for 12 hours uninterrupted <laughs> does that happen when you die? <laughs> <laughs> when I, die, I want I just I want there to be uh, a peaceful environment you know I want everybody in my family to be getting in, in, along and everybody to know that I had given them a lot of genuine love and good memories and that I I'm happy with my life and that I, I fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. Has there, and so is that, um, that sense of peace or at least like, uh, togetherness and is that something that you have experienced at, like when somebody has passed, you, you felt that warmth and, and that kind of communal feeling, or is that, or, or maybe you're thinking of the absence of that and you don't want to experience, you don't want your death experience to be like that. Yeah. You, um, I have, uh, had had somebody very close pass away and it he was young and it was weird because well it wasn't weird it was sad because the the whole family had a lot of problems where there wasn't nobody was there were some people not on talking terms and there was you know because mm. there was a lot of bad stuff where there was a good reason for there to be not talking terms but what is what a sad thing for the person passing that doesn't mm -hmm. get a choice, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want that. I don't want, and I, I thank God that's not the case for me or my family, but I would never want that for anybody. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. On, on my hospice rotation um, right now, I see a lot of like just really messy situations with families yeah. and it's just yeah. like, you know, it's we we as the hospice and palliative care team, we can help try to mend things and get things moving in a forward direction. But at a certain point, it's like, you know, the, these are conversations that should have happened 10 years ago. And, yes. Yes. And, you know, again, I'm very raw and unfiltered, but that's not always bad because things don't go 10 years long whenever I'm flipping the table prove my point <laughs> I, I tell i say i say how i feel they say how they feel we move on christmas might have been ruined but ashley made her point <laughs> <laughs> mm, so um you mentioned that uh that person that was uh relatively young that died um it, it, is that was that a death that affected you greatly or are there other deaths that you can think of that have affected you deeply that one definitely did more so because he was my uncle and well he still is my uncle but I remember just being we, I was very close to him he was the one of the funniest people on the face of the planet I remember just being able to laugh with him we'd be crying we'd be laughing so hard he was just a great <laughs> uncle and I I just I just loved him and he he I want to cry <laughs> he left behind a really young son you know he was my first cousin and he's he was like 14 or 15 at the time and we were at my house and 
my parents, we said, it's time to go. We got, we got to go say goodbye to Gary, my uncle Gary. And it, Garrett, he said, I don't want to do this. That's his dad. You know, he said, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Mm. And he had to. Sorry. <laughs> but, you, yeah. you do not need to apologize. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, just, it's just, a, I have so much love for my family. A lot of love. And he's, you know, and now it's, again, talking about empowerment and what I want before I die. And that's one of the things Garrett, he grew up losing his dad at a very young age. And he's a great man now. Works hard, full of life, smiles. And he did it. He moved forward. He got past the dark. So he got early. <laughs> <laughs> what what did you learn from the death of your uncle and watching that young man have to say goodbye to his to his dad? Uh, to to just live every day, like every day thankful, be grateful, have gratitude, even the hard days. And I and I've I've just did that. I remember Monday morning, it was just it was a tough night with salary in and I remember every, everything that goes wrong today, I'm going to say, I'm grateful. Even, you know, so, okay, I'm grateful that I got stuck in traffic. I don't know why, but it just made everything better. Just made everything better. So, I mean, I, I literally said it out loud. And he's like, what are you talking about? We're stuck in traffic. I'm like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for being stuck in traffic. And just made it better because, you know, Garrett can't say he has his dad anymore. You know, he didn't miss one day with him. He didn't miss one sporting event with them as his father. and now he does it, you know, I, he would be grateful to have his dad right now. He would be mm -hmm. so grateful. We would all be grateful to have him back right now. And so now I, I'm going to be grateful for even the crappy shit. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And was that, uh, was that your closest experience with death? Like, um, had, were you in the presence of uh, the uncle passing? Yes. Yeah, it was. I had never been in like a hospital setting and touching his leg and him still, he was on the breathing machine. Mm -hmm. So I mean, he was still there. And actually before he went in his mind, he was a little coherent that I was able to catch him before he got into that state where he didn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. He smiled at me and he was, he just said, hi, Ashley. I was just like, that's, you know, I was like, well, hey, <laughs> I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. So that was awesome. You know, he smiled. Um, it was good. It was really good to see him like that one last time. Mm. And um, thinking about yourself, have you considered that moment of passing between life to death? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always, you know, I, I mean, I always wonder. And that's one of the reasons why I believe in God and I believe in Jesus is that I, to, to think that when you pass, you just sit in the dark, the most gut-wrenching feeling. I don't want that. And I don't want that for the people that I love, you know? So to think and to know and to feel in my heart and my soul that there's a heaven and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be with everybody and there's no pain, there's no suffering, everybody's healthy, happy. I mean, I... Whew, it makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, um, and so, so I guess like that, you know, talking about, um, 
the afterlife that's you know that that comes after you die but i'm wondering like do you have any experiences any idea of what that transition might look or feel like that moment of from life to death for me specifically yeah um i i hope i hope i'm old but not in pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i hope that it's just everything's effortless there's no there's no chaos. It's just, okay. Even if it's my old age and I go to bed at night and I just lay down and I take my last breath for the night, that would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) In my home, no pain and just go, you know, that I, ideally there, that's what I would want. Mm. And um, was that kind of a was that peaceful passing or that moment of transition? Were were you there for uh, your uncle? Um, yeah, I mean, I was there, but I was also like in the waiting room, sleeping on the floor and stuff. Uh, and, yeah, so, because it was it was a, it was a long process, so I didn't see him like actually take his last breath. But um, as soon as they turned off the oxygen, you know, he he did end up going because that was what was keeping him essentially alive and mm-hmm. so but there was no you know there was no fighting there was no stress or and that's what my dad told me so that was comforting mm. you know and I guess like do you can you even imagine a way to uh practice or, or really facilitate that peace that like lack of like struggle um as you transition to death um, I, I just think of it as, have you ever noticed, like, at the, at, when you're laying down at night, and after it's been a long, crazy day, and, like, you still feel like you're all scrunched up, like, mm-hmm. it's flaky all together, and you're like, just tell your shoulders to relax, just relax your jaw, your tongue's even clenched on the roof of your mouth, or the back of your teeth, just relax, and you can feel, like, your facial muscles even just relax, and you just feel like you're spreading that slinky, and just, like, oh, letting the coils release, mm-hmm. um, that's what I kind of imagine it like. It's just, I don't know, freeing even. Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes sense. And especially with the idea of uh, you passing in your old age, that I think that would be a lovely thing to experience. Yeah. Um, now, I want to ask you a difficult question about, let's say, in what, what year would that be? Like 2033, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stadler's 15. May is 25 and you are sick or you're ill. Mm-hmm. Do you, could you imagine a scenario where you could peacefully transition without that, without holding on? Oh, nope. <laughs> nope. I'm, <laughs> I'm calm. I'm still holding on. I'm calm. Nope. Can't. nope not, not that young. Not that mm-hmm. young. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Yep. Um, now that now there's a lot of time between peaceful yep. and struggle. Now, what is there a tipping point that you can feel like you, you can like Jesus take the wheel kind of situation? Yeah. Well, if I, if I was in a situation where, I was fighting death and it was causing my family more stress, more financial heartache and stress and everything like that, you know, where it's just like, I'm like, you know what? And the doctors were like, there's nothing, all we're doing is we're only buying you time. And it's, you know, that's all it is. That's all it is. At at some point I'd be like, I'm ready now. And I, I actually, my grand, my grandpa, he was in that situation. He also died. I feel like at a young age, 64. He, uh, 
he was in and out of the hospital, in and out of the hospital. And he, he got to the point where he was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. done. I don't want to do anymore. And the doctors were like, you, you, you will pass if you do this. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I remember I, you know, when I found out he wasn't going to do anymore, I, I was crying. I gave him a hug and he's like, what are you crying for? I was just like, well, you know, he goes, you don't need to cry. It's okay. I'm, he goes, I'm fine. Like he was, he was more annoyed that I was crying than when he was going to be passing, you know? So I've, I've seen people get to that point where they're like, I'm done. I'm done being, you know, poked with all these needles, having these scans done. I mean, he couldn't even drink more than half a cup of water in 24 hours and have more than this much salt because his kidneys were, they were dying. I mean, everything was just dying on him. And it was just, everything with the hospital was major surgeries, major medications, no drinking, no eating, just to live another day. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just want to have a cup of coffee. It can't even have that, you know? So I've seen people I love get to that point. And then out of respect, you know, I, I sucked it up and I was like, okay, you know? Doesn't mean it wasn't hard. Doesn't mean we didn't love him. Doesn't mean we don't miss him. But, you know, I couldn't, I, I would get to that point too, where you're just like, I'm ready, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it sounds like there's a suffering induced, uh, tipping point where, mm-hmm. where, where like in that middle ground somewhere, you'll like be like, oh, okay, I've, I have fought for long enough and I feel like now is a good time. Yeah. Now, yeah. now I want to allow things to move. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's kind of in that middle ground, but then there's still that, that tipping point from, from like, oh, this is, I can die now. Like, like I want to go peacefully versus the, I need to, I need to go through some suffering in order to, to <laughs> yeah. let that happen. And so like, what, where does that transition happen? Like, like, is it when, when your children have children? Is it um, when, when you feel like they are those empowered adults that they yeah, are? Able to I, I, I feel like as, as gosh, you know, I just love them so much. I don't ever want to leave them. Like I, <laughs> I tell Michael, I'm like, when they go to college, I'm going to go with them. <laughs> like, <I'm> <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't want to say when they have children, because I just feel like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to have children nowadays. And you're like, you don't have to have kids to be something in life. If you want to, that's wonderful. And yes, babies are awesome. And grandchildren are awesome. And I would love that. But I feel like I would be okay. I know they're good as if they were able to wake up every single day and successfully take care of themselves and still be happy. You know, mm-hmm. go to a job that's not killing them or making them sick. Mm-hmm. but it's fulfilling them somewhat. And you know, a job's a job. And some days are harder than other days. Some days you're like, why did I do this? But some, but as long as 80% of the time you can go to work, you can be proud of yourself. It fulfills you. It takes care of you. You can take care of yourself. I I would be like, okay, I, I don't need to take care of you anymore. Mom can go. Mommy's mm-hmm. out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mommy's going to go get her sleep now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all are good. <laughs> ah, I see. Because what I'm, what I'm hearing is is like the the self-sufficiency of your children that might happen when Stadler is a teenager mm-hmm. and that might not be a time where you feel like they're, they're self-sufficient or that, yeah. that you feel like that, that, you know, like you, you could probably come, you could, you could probably complete a, an Ironman now. Mm-hmm. You might not feel like you can, but you could physiologically like, like yeah. gun to your head, you could physically yeah. do it, you know, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> that 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 sensation of being ready, of feeling ready, is always going to lag behind being ready. And yeah. uh, I think that's just an interesting like that that gap where you know you're talking you're talking about you want to see your children in this beautiful state of of self sufficiency and being their own person, 
And uh, but then again, you're also like, I want to be here for as long as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I all very valid feelings, I, I believe. <laughs> all right. Um, is there anything else that you want when you die? Mm. I just want a lot of desserts. A lot of desserts when I die. <laughs> don't, bring, kind. don't be bringing Lime. me back to my hospital room. Bring me desserts, okay? <laughs> like what kind? Are you talking about pies? Or are you talking about? Oh no, ice I need cream? something with whipped cream, all kinds of puddings, and um, a creamy fudge, all that kind of stuff. I don't, don't, don't be bringing me any any of these paleo, keto, gluten free <laughs> stuff. Give me the good stuff. <laughs> All right, so you got your you got your last meal. I guess is that um, is that something that you've always had in terms of relationship with food? Like it is like a it, it is like a source of comfort and joy. Absolutely, I'm from the south, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, good stuff. Um, now, uh, now let's uh, transition to that final topic. Uh, after I die, I want. How do you finish that? After I die, I want to be able to look down and look at this earth and be like, y'all are doing great. Everybody <laughs> is getting along. Nobody's picking fights. Nobody's trolling anybody. And everybody's getting burly. That's what I want. I want everybody to get burly after I die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You so I really, I, yeah, after I die, I really do. I want people to, I want people to be thankful they knew me. I want people to be um, happy they know about get burly and I want them to have that long lasting fire in them you know mm. I want them to be like she lived a great life she did what she wanted she said it how she wanted to say it, it probably wasn't always the best way but she mm. said it and she did it <laughs> mm -hmm. is there uh so so there's two things here there's you know the the message specifically of get burly and then there's this fire you're talking about of this motivation yeah. and of get of people getting burly but um, they can be separated, you know, yes. and um, I guess what's more important to you? Is it the that uh, the get burly recognition or is it that the fire is spreading? Oh, the fire is spreading. Easy. That's easy. The fire is spreading because <laughs> I just and because I was there, I was there. I I was like, there's I remember I was like, gosh, I want to do an Ironman. And I was like, I can't do an Ironman. And I was just like, what am I saying? What's possible for one? It's possible for me. You know, and that's where that little ember started in me, that little fire beginning. And then I, I remember I just, I had, I didn't own a bike. I have never swam competitively. I mean, I just swam on a pool for kid as a kid for fun. And all I had was just running for fun. I'd never just been like an awesome marathoner. And I remember getting on the computer and I just said, Ironman Boulder, click, registered. I was like, nope. okay, I'm going to do an Ironman. Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> because I was like and it just that's where the fire started and I'm like okay I'm gonna do it you know and same thing with me and my husband Michael I was just like he lives in Boston I live in Oklahoma City this isn't gonna work and I was like but I love him I've never felt like this about anybody there's no doubt in my mind at all like okay I'm gonna do it you know it's just that fire in me and I was just I'm gonna do it I know I'm supposed to be with him I know I want to be with him and that's why I did it I think that's like that with everything in life, even something as small as like, you know what? I've been wanting to do a flower bed in my front yard for three years. I've never done it. I'm going to start. So you just do it. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. that fire. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good. Good stuff. 
Um, and then you talked a little bit earlier about the afterlife and what uh, you imagine that to be and believe that to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess uh, what what informs that belief? Um, definitely my background and my relationship with God and Jesus and just this internal love and awesomeness in heaven where and I, I see it now when I do open water swims out in the lake and I see these big clouds. I see the people that have passed in my life. And I, 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 whenever I turn to swim, I can see them and I just feel them smiling on me. I can feel it. I can, I, can, I can hear them talking to me. It's one of the reasons why I love swimming in the backyard here in the lake. Just, it's like my time with them. Um, mm. Just that, facilitating that relationship I grew up with, with God and Jesus and that unwavering love that there's an eternal life and that we get to be in heaven and we get to still look at the people that we love that on earth and just watch over them. You know, whenever they're just like saying, you know, when someone's loved one passed away and they're like, they're watching over you. I really believe that 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you, you described the, you know, these Oprah water swims, which really does sound like a beautiful experience of just like being literally being a drop in a yeah. big pond and yeah. just, sort of getting that perspective um almost like when you're stargazing just like oh wow yeah um i guess what what informs that that conviction in you that uh that that the the people who have died are looking over you like are there experiences are there moments where you're like i felt my uncle just now or like you know oh yeah so weird you say that um um, whenever my grandpa Joe passed away and um, before he passed away, he was at home and he was on hospice and he was on a bed. And again, before he went in his mind, he, I went to visit him and he looked at me and he smiled. Every time I swim, I see, it's like that burning image of his smile in my head. And I'm not kidding you. I swear I hear him say my name. I swear I hear him say my name when I swim on some strokes. And I'm like, I stop sometimes. Cause I'm like, I swear I heard him <laughs> and it makes my heart feel so good. And it, and then what facilitates me to go out and go further whenever I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I'm like, they're literally up there going, do it for us. They would love to be down here and they would love to swim with me. They would love to be able to go, especially on their last days when they were bedridden. They couldn't get up. They couldn't even use the restroom unassisted. You know, they would have loved to be able to go for a walk, a run, a jog, a swim, a bike. They would have loved it. And they were always super supportive of me. They went to all my sporting events they were always so proud of me and they just and I'm just like that's my way with giving back is going hard and doing my best for them because they did that for me mm. mm-hmm. all right good stuff is there anything else you want after you die mm. uh, I can't think of anything right now but I might I might Facebook message you some more later <laughs> It's all right. You got you got a lot of good stuff there. Wanting to see the world get burly, seeing the fire spread, and uh, uh, being able to look down on the people you love. Yeah. Um, when you when you think of the future, um, and I imagine this might be a little, you know, uh, changed because of baby and the sleep deprivation. But like, how <laughs> how how far in the future do you think? And then. And, and when things quiet down, how oft, how far in the future can you think? Oh, that's actually one of my big problems is I think too far in the future. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm I like, here I am. It's October. I'm thinking January. Like mm-hmm. I need to take, I need to learn to take it day by day. But I also feel like I can be prepared 
mentally if I do think far enough in the future. So, you know, come January when I have to make the the definitive decision, am I going to do this Ironman? You know, it helps me to mentally prepare that, you know, if you are, it's time to do the work. It's time to put it in, you know? Mm -hmm. So now I, it, it helps motivate me now. And so what I'm doing is I'm trying to put that work in now so that come January, I'm less inclined to not do it. I'm going to be like, cause I'll be like, I'm ready. I got this. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also think too far ahead. You know, I, I just, I keep thinking about next year already and the year after that. And it just, it, it, it hurts me more than it helps me to sometimes because it stresses me out because I feel like I have to start getting ready right now for all these things. And it's impossible. Some of these things I can't get ready. I can't get May ready for, f- for fifth grade. She's just now started fourth grade. I need to calm <laughs> down and bring it back a little bit. So um, that's one of the things I've also been working on. <laughs> gotcha. And, um, you know, I think it's very interesting that you are talking about how far in the future that you think. And it sounds like it's a couple months, maybe dozens of years, dozens of months at the yeah. most, but it's, um, it's all very much within the um, Ashley Karen window of time, yeah. you know, like, I mean, what I'm, what I mean is like, you're not thinking about uh, 30, 18, the year, like a thousand yeah. years from now, or like a hundred years from now, or even like towards that, like old frail Ashley, who's not, you know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, no, I haven't thought about her. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope I'm the, I hope I'm the mean old lady that feels like kids to get off her lawn with her 20 cats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the cats roll around there. Yes. The yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, good stuff. Um, so we've been talking for a good little while, and this, you know, this is really the first time we've ever talked in person. We've we've been uh, we've communicated a little bit through the internet, um, but I, I, you know, you're as, exactly as warm and and uh, energetic as I had imagined. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're welcome, and um, I I just want to thank you for your time. I know that this is a little tricky trying to schedule this guy, um, but I'm really glad that we were able to sit down and talk. And I want to give you the the floor to address the audience directly whether it is um to somebody who knows you through get earlier from oklahoma or maybe it's uh in the future and uh stadler's listening to this and he's hearing himself cry in the background you know? oh my god that's great and uh that's, just yeah. uh you know or or just somebody who who needs that that fi- that they're starting to get that fire lit within them yeah and they just need that little push um i don't know who you want to speak to but uh, the floor is yours Okay. Well, I want to tell my son and my daughter, if you're listening to this in the late future, that I love you. I'm proud of you. And you guys fulfill me every single day, even whenever I'm mad at you for not picking up your shoes in May. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To my mom and my dad, I'm excited to see you guys. And I can't, I'm already looking forward to planning ahead in the future, all the other trips, (laughs) even (laughs) planning too far ahead. (laughs) And if you're listening to this and you're a new mom, you're a veteran mom, or you're a woman, and you have any inkling or any desire to do something completely out of your comfort zone. You have no experience. You don't even know where to start, but, you ha- but you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about it, do it because you will spend the rest of your life thinking about it until one day you spend the rest of your life regretting that you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's, t- it's now or never put in the work, put in the freaking work. If you have a why, a strong enough why, if your why is so purposeful, the how is so easy. You can do it. You really can do it. I'm here. 
I'm, you can reach out to me because I will wake up every single day doubting myself until I get set my feet on the floor and I remember that I'm a badass mom. You're a badass woman and you can do it. And I'm here for you. So that's Good it. Stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Ashley Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. This has been Ashley Karen on Death.